You know, I just uh, leaned into Dana and said, I had them sing this dedicated to you today, and I feel like my Valentine's Day is done. I have completed my task and all is well. Can you feel the love today on You Are Loved Day? Happy Valentine's Day, Crossroads. I want you to know that you are dearly and deeply loved by God today. Can we just put our hands together and just say thank you to Jesus for the love that he has shown us and for the love that we are able to walk in? Because here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. Uh, when we celebrate Valentine's Day here on uh, planet Earth, you know, uh, we are celebrating love. And that's a great thing to celebrate. But let's make no mistake here, the love that the world has to offer, uh, based on passion, based on feeling, it's great. We should express that love to each other. Guys, you should definitely go home and watch The Notebook today with your significant other. That would just be a big deal, right? That, that amazing love story. Maybe Braveheart, I don't know, whatever, whatever. Or Nacho Libre, why not? Just go for that one. Um, but whatever it is, this is the day you express love, right? And while the world likes to say it offers love, make no mistake that the deepest possible love that you can experience is the love that God has for you. God's love is selfless, it is sacrificial, it is a love that serves. And that's the love that we get to experience from God. It's the love that he calls us to share with others. And I just want to start today by asking you to consider that love and ask you, have you encountered that love? Because I want to focus today on that most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, that just says, without any question, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the definition of selfless, sacrificial love that serves. It's the love that Jesus has for you and for me. And it's my prayer today that every single one of us that is experiencing this moment together has been able to embrace and encounter the love of God in their lives. I don't want you to leave today without encountering that love of God because he loves you and there is nothing that you can do about it. Can I get an amen now? Come on, let's go. That's what I'm talking about. Now, today here at Crossroads, we have been celebrating changed lives. I want you to know that we already celebrated a few changed lives at our 8.30 service. We have a bunch that are getting baptized at 11.30. We had two lined up for the 10 o'clock, and they were not able to be here today. So we do not get to celebrate at the 10 o'clock together. And I'm disappointed in that. I want to hear some, oh, like, oh, you should feel disappointed because, man, we got to call these people. What's going on? Get out here. Get to church. But here's my thing. They're not feeling good. <laughs> Here's the thing. We are celebrating lives that have been changed by encountering the love of Jesus. That's happening throughout today. And I love that. There is nothing better than the celebration of a changed life. And so I just want you to lean in today to what we're talking about in Scripture and make sure that, A, you have encountered the love of Jesus but that B, you're also allowing God's love to flow through you. Because when people see God's love in you, they see that love and they are drawn to him. We're going to be walking through a story today that if you've been at Crossroads for any amount of time, you're going to recognize it. In fact, some of you be like, uh, I'm pretty sure, Pastor Tim, we just walked through this all, a few months ago. And you're right, we did. It's really, really important, though, that we lean into these stories of Jesus specifically the ones that call us to stay on mission, 
the ones that encourage us to celebrate changed lives, the ones that challenge us to contribute to the community because those are the values that we operate by here at Crossroads. And I've got to be honest with you, I think that now more than ever before, people are desperate to experience the love of God in their lives. And so I want you to lean in today because we're going to take this to another level and we're going to take a look at the story of the prodigal son that we see in Luke chapter 15 and recognize the great love that God has for us because today you are loved and I don't want you to miss out on that truth. Our mission here at Crossroads is to connect people with God. That's why we do everything that we do. That is our number one focus. That is our mission. We exist to connect people with God, to help introduce people to the love that he has for them. Why do we do that? Well, it's because of this story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. I want to just start by reading it. It says, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Let's just stop and consider the reality here that this younger son does not have a good relationship with his father. He's way more focused on what he could do with his money right now than what his father has planned for that money. And at the end of the day, what's driving this behavior is pride, all right? I mean, raise your hand if pride has ever gotten in your way and made you do something foolish. You don't have to raise your hand. Everyone would be raising their hand and we would all look foolish doing that in that moment. The reality is, is that when I allow my pride to creep in and shape the decisions that I am making, the realization is that when I tell God, I see the way that you want me to live my life, I see the plans that you have for me, but I think I know better how to operate my life. I think I could do this just a little bit better than you could. That always, every single time, is going to take you down a road that you never intended to go down. When I am guided by my own pride and I start chasing the things of this world, there's the lie that those things will satisfy the desires of my heart, satisfy the desires of my soul. And yet the things that the world offers, they never satisfy. They always leave us longing for more, and they always take us farther down that road than we ever anticipated going. And so this younger son is right there. He's on the precipice of making a terrible decision, and it's based on his pride. God, I see what you're wanting to do, but I have a different plan for my life. That's a dangerous road to go down. So here's what happens. It says a few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Probably not what he had in mind when he took all of his money and went to a different kingdom, right? The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. I think this is the most difficult part of the journey. It's that recognition that I've been trying to do things my own way, and by going down this path, it's just been consumed by my own selfishness, my own pride, the pursuit of all the things that the world has to offer me. That there's that realization, I've hit rock bottom. There's that realization that I've been trying to do my life my own way, and it has led me to this place where I am desperate. I've been deceived, I've been buying the lie, and you come to this place where you're just completely defeated. It's rock bottom. And it's all based on the decisions that we make to turn our back on, on God's plan for our lives 
stop living into his purpose and trying to do things our own way. And we've all been there at some level. We've all said, no, God, I'm, I'm good in this area of my life. I'm going to be fine. Right now I see the things the world has to offer me, and it's great. I am pursuing pleasure right now. I'm pursuing possessions and power. I'm, I'm going for all the things that the world has to offer me. But then you hit rock bottom because those things never satisfy. And there's this moment when you realize, I don't want to live this way any longer. It's not just I don't want to. It's I, I can't live this way any longer. This, this is killing me. This is not who I was created to be. This is not who I want to be. And there's this, this place that you find yourself in where you are overcome by your guilt. You're overcome by your shame. And I think this is the dangerous place we can find ourselves in because that is where the devil loves to try and tell us this lie that we're just not good enough. That there's no way God could ever love someone like me. And there's a truth here that we speak into all the time and that's the reality that God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. And I just want to reaffirm that today. Maybe you need to hear that today. Because you might be walking in some guilt and some shame. You're realizing, I, my choices have brought me to a place that I never intended to be. I'm desperate. I'm at rock bottom. There's no way that God could love me. And I want you to know that is a lie from the pit of hell. God loves you. There is nothing that you can do about that. This story goes on to illustrate the power of that love that God has for you. That selfless, sacrificial love that serves, the deepest possible love that anyone could experience. Jesus goes on to say, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. Again, this is someone operating in complete guilt, complete shame. He's trying to reconcile in his mind, how can he possibly return to the life that he once knew? Maybe if I come back and just say, I've completely failed. I am a total loser, all right? I am the Kansas City Chiefs. That's me, coming home in complete guilt and shame because I couldn't stand up to Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I couldn't help myself. I'm so sorry. I am completely guilt-ridden. I have hit rock bottom. I don't know what to do. Maybe I can just be one of your servants. Would you please just allow me to be part of this life? As terrible and as awful of a moment as that is, it's also a beautiful and necessary moment for us, for every single one of us. We've all had to come to that place, no matter where you're at in life, where you realize, Jesus, I don't want to live this way anymore. When it says he came to his senses, that is the moment of repentance Repentance being, I'm realizing I'm living this way that's taken me to nowhere. I'm in a desperate situation, and I'm, I'm going to turn away from what I've been doing, and I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to choose to follow him. These are beautiful moments that come out of those moments that you find yourself desperate and alone. These are the moments that God redeems with his perfect love. God loves you. There is nothing you can do about that. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created in his image. 
He paid the ultimate price, the debt that you could not pay, because he wants you to experience life. And so often we're consumed by the guilt and the shame that we just can't bring ourselves to that place where we believe that God really could love me. But there's a reason that Jesus illustrates this entire story as a father with a son, because that's how he views himself to us. He sees us as his children. He sees himself as the father, offering guidance, showing compassion, loving with that deepest of love. And that's important. That's significant. As a dad, I've experienced those moments. I, I will never forget when my son Carter was in first grade. Uh, we got a call randomly from one of the teachers saying, hey, we have one of our students who's missing a little monster truck. It's a gravedigger, which just for what it's worth is the best one. It's a premium little monster truck. The kid was missing his monster truck, and they're wondering, did somebody take his truck? Could you check the backpacks of your kids on the way home? So when Carter got home, I said, hey, bud, I need to, to talk with you. Sitting in the living room, I'll never forget this conversation. I said, your teacher called one of the kids is, is missing his, his monster truck, so we need to check your bag and make sure it's not in there. And he just said, okay, that's okay. I, I opened the, the bag, and there's this monster truck. My heart sinks. I'm going, oh, Carter. I pulled it up, and I said, here's the truck. And I'll never forget, as a first grader, Carter goes, well, that's odd. <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. But that's the moment, right? And we've all been there. We've all been there like, oh, no. That's odd. <laughs> you've been there. It might have sounded different, looked different a situation, but you've been there. I did not have to teach him how to do that. That came naturally. He's a pastor's kid. He's not perfect. <laughs> I was also a pastor's kid for what that's worth. Oh, brother. That's odd. I said, Carter, how'd this get in the bag? And he started crying. He said, I, I took it. And it's that moment of guilt. It's that moment of shame. I can see it all over him. And that's a moment as a dad where I'm not about to disown my son. No, I love my kid. Now, I'm going to teach him in that moment to never, ever do that again. And we did. It was fantastic. Just for the record, Carter, um, he, he took this little itty-bitty gravedigger truck. He already had, because it had just been Christmas time, and we had gotten him a magnificent Christmas present. It was a remote control gravedigger that was, like, massive. It took up our entire basement, running that thing around. I said, Carter, you're going to take this back to your friend, you're going to apologize, and you're going to give him your ginormous gravedigger remote control as a token of your apology. And he didn't even fight it. He said... Yep, that's a good thing. I can do that. That'll make it right. It, was, it ended up being a beautiful moment. And to my knowledge, he's never stolen anything else again, which is also fantastic. Now, he has all kinds of those little monster trucks around. I don't know where they came from. But, I, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That's not true. <laughs> but that was a moment where, as a dad, I'm experiencing that whole situation from a completely different perspective. Because I've been there. I've had the moment of guilt and shame. I've had the moment, oh, that's odd. You know, I don't know what to do. I'm paralyzed by my guilt and by my shame. And we've all been there. And so here's the son who squandered his entire inheritance. I mean, you can't really picture anything 
worse in the sense that he's just denied his dad of anything that would be normal and, and a good and healthy relationship. He's been selfish. He's been arrogant. He's distanced himself, pushed his family away, gone off and done his own thing, and then wasted it all just like the father knew that he would. So how do you come back from that? You've been a self-fulfilled prophecy. You're, you're hanging on by a thread. You're completely desperate and you're ridden with guilt and with shame. What does that look like coming home to the Father? I've sinned. Maybe you could help me out and let me be your servant. I don't know what to do. Am I going to be received? Is he going to turn me away? It's all those emotions. It's the emotions we face coming back to God. There's no way God could love me. And here's the picture that Jesus gives. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him. He kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. I, I can't read that without getting emotional. Th that is an unbelievable depiction of the love that God has for you and for me. That when I fail, when I'm in a desperate situation, when I turn to Jesus and say, God, I have failed. I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of your mercy and grace. That's the kind of God he is? Running to meet me, embracing me, kissing me, and saying, get my kid the finest robe, put a ring on his finger. This is my son. And you are loved. And I just, I want you to know today, if you've, if you've hit rock bottom, if that's where you are right now, and the devil is telling you that lie that there's no way God could love you. I just want you to know, without a shadow of a doubt, it's time to come home. Because God loves you today, and there's nothing that you can do about that. And there is power in this, because you realize when we embrace that kind of love, when I encounter this perfect love, it changes me. We have this saying around here that God loves you just the way you are. He refuses to leave you that way. He wants you to become more like him. Well, how is that possible? How do I do that? Well, that comes from me following Jesus. That means I'm no longer content to live the way I was. No, I'm turning toward Jesus and I'm following him. When I walk with Jesus, it says his spirit gives me strength. I love in Galatians 5, it says the fruit of that spirit, the life that is following Jesus, that is filled with his spirit, it's filled with love and not just the world's kind of love. It is the perfect love that God has for us. That life is filled with love. It's filled with joy. It's filled with peace. I don't have to carry that guilt and that shame around anymore. I have peace with God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the life that God has called me to. This is what my life looks like when I begin following him. That's the change that we celebrate. I don't have to live any longer the way that I used to. No, I have encountered the love of God and it has changed me. I hope that you're embracing the change that God has brought to you. Don't let your pride consume you. Don't pull away from who God is and who he's calling you to be. 
every single day. The devil's going to try to tempt you, take your eyes off Jesus, have you be consumed with your pride, chase the pleasures and the possessions and the power that the world has to offer you. It never takes you where you wanted to go. It never satisfies. The life that you're looking for comes from following Jesus. It comes from embracing his love and letting that love flow through you. And that's why I think the final piece of this story is so incredibly important because we can't lose sight of what God has done for us. I can't lose sight of what God has done for me. If I do that, I become self-centered, I become inward focused, and my life isn't on mission anymore. And that's what we see Jesus alluding to with, with the rest of this story because there's another brother here. It's the older brother, and he did everything right, okay? Every day that uh, his younger brother was out partying, squandering all that money, he was doing his duty. He was out working. He was doing everything right. So there's a different perspective here, and there's something to learn from it. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, doing what he was supposed to. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. But he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat or a feast with my friends. I can't help it. Every time I read that, I go, all he wanted was a goat. Just give him a goat for crying out loud. Please, just give him a goat. All I wanted was a goat. <laughs> it's probably lost in the cultural translation. Go. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, and this is really, really important, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. This is incredible, because what you see here is that the father, God, responds to each of his sons with the same love and the same compassion. The one that had wandered away and come back, love, compassion. The one who's angry, the one who's struggling, he's been self-centered, it's all about him right now. The one who's bitter, God is encountering him in the same way with love and compassion because this is a moment that he can grow to. Why would the older brother be angry? It's because he's forgotten the grace that's been shown him. We can't be angry when God shows grace to someone else. He's given us something that we could never earn in our salvation. He's paid a debt I could not pay. We can never forget the grace that he's shown us. That brother was self-centered. Well, that's based on pride. That's starting to go down the same road his younger brother went on. Like, I somehow deserve this. No, I've been shown grace. I've encountered the love of God, and that changes everything. You talk about bitterness. That one's a tough one, right? Because he'd be bitter because he'd be having a hard time forgiving what his brother had done. His brother hadn't just, you know, rejected the father. The brother had rejected his own brother. It, he'd rejected him too. And so there's pain there. And I think we have to acknowledge that in life it's not always easy to forgive. Bitterness can grow roots in your heart. And that's a dangerous place to be. 
But God calls us in his love to be kind and compassionate to each other just like he's been kind and compassionate to us. To be forgiving of each other just as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven us. That's how we reflect his love into the lives of others. That's how we show them that we're different. I think that's why it's so important here at Crossroads that one of our values is we contribute to the community. When I use my gifts and abilities to serve others, when I'm jumping in and get involved in kids' ministries and youth ministries and first impressions team, celebrate recovery, worship arts, when I'm engaged in what God is doing, it keeps me focused on the mission. I'm here to connect people with God, to help them encounter this unbelievable love. I'm here to celebrate it when someone's life gets changed. I'm here, the, the life that God has created me for is, is lived out by contributing to the community, by living into this purpose and plan that he has for me. It's what keeps me focused on eternity. It helps me live into the life that God created me for. I am showing the love of God to others in my life. And I think the final piece that we have to recognize is that God shows his love to others through you. What an incredible journey that we get to be a part of. When you realize that those people that are hurting, that are struggling, that are desperate right now, can experience the love of Jesus, that perfect love, through us. I want to challenge you today. Embrace that love of Jesus. Maybe you're here and you're realizing, I need to put my trust in Jesus. I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm hitting rock bottom. I'm desperate. And it's time to turn to Jesus. I would challenge you, if you're watching this right now, if you're in this room, if you're experiencing this, I would just say, it's time to come home. Because God is, is ready to meet you with his arms wide open. He's running to you to embrace you. You are his child. Come home. He loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Maybe you're here, and you've been following Jesus for a long time, and you're realizing, man, God's calling me to step up my game. I need to be able to show other people God's love through me. Let's step up. Let's make sure we're being that light that shines in the darkness, giving hope to the people who are desperate for God's love, because that's who we are. That's who he's called us to be. That is our mission, to connect people with him. As I close today, I would just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to read this verse to you. It's where we started. It's John 3, 16 and 17. Everybody, heads bowed and eyes closed. It says this in John 3, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask you this question today. Are you walking in God's love? That journey begins by saying yes to Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you're realizing it's time to come home, I invite you to pray this prayer with me wherever you are. Would you just say to Jesus, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you help me to be like you? Come into my heart and save me from my sin. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for your love for me. If that's the cry of your heart today, then I want you to know there's a celebration in heaven right now because of the life, your life, that has been changed. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Now, let him transform you. Turn from what it is that's gotten you to this point of desperation and follow Jesus. 
And I want to invite you today, with your head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you've been following Jesus for a long time, make sure your life is on point. Make sure you're focused on your mission. You're here to connect people with Jesus. You're here to celebrate those lives that are changed by him. You're here to live a life that shows God's love to the people who are desperate for him the most. Let's lean into the life that God has called us to live. Let's let that light shine in the darkness and show God's love to the people he's placed in our lives. God, you're good. We thank you for your very many blessings, and most importantly, we just thank you for your love today. You have paid a price that we could not pay. You love us with the most beautiful love. It's selfless. It is sacrificial. It serves. And God, you've called us to reflect that love in the lives of others, to love you, Jesus, with this kind of love, but to love all others as ourselves with this same kind of love. So God, may we reflect your love in our lives and may that love connect people with you. Jesus, for all you've done, we give you thanks. For all you're going to do, we praise you. We pray this in your name today, Jesus. Amen.